Hello and welcome to the Dawn of Rebellion podcast. It's good to be back. Now it's been a while since our last episode. I think it was like March, April time last year. But you know, stuff's happened and things have been a little bit hectic of late, as I'm sure you can appreciate. But we're here now and we've got a good show for you this time around. A lot has happened in the world of hobby. There's been a raft of new releases and because of lockdown, I've spent an inordinate amount of money buying board games and models and all the rest of it. Most of which has has been opened and looked at, but not necessarily played through a huge amount. I've finished my Prospero project with uh, my good friend Jason, and we'll we'll be talking about that on another episode. That was that was a fun way of passing the time and having a bit of a a goal over the last twelve months. I've taken delivery of quite a few Kickstarters over the past sort of the last three months of the year. We got the follow up to Tainted Grail, the, the stretch goals for all that. That was great. We got Ether Fields, which is a beautiful looking game, but it's confused the hell out of me. So I haven't quite got around to wrapping my head into it yet, but hopefully at some point in the future, we'll, we'll do a, a walkthrough of that. I got uh, Bloodborne, which is great, actually. I, I was super impressed with Bloodborne by uh, Cool Mini or Not. Um, and we'll, we'll go through that as well. I got Resident Evil 2 which I was a little bit late to the game with, but uh, I managed to pick up a copy. What else? We got the, a copy of the Indomitus box and the new Blood Bowl. So yeah, it's been a, <laughs> an expensive lockdown, but there we are. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about probably the most important release of 2020. And that is, of course, Horus Heresy Book 9 Crusade, which is the latest of the Heresy series Black Books covering the events of the Thramus Crusade, uh, and the conflict between the Dark Angels and the Night Lords. So it's predominantly a book about Dark Angels because they get their lists. Finally, they get their units and rules and lore and all the rest of it with a, a revamped Night Lords list that's got the FAQs and, and a couple of other small changes. It's a good book. There's some interesting things in there. And we have invited internet heavyweight Dark Angels player, a chap called Ben, who is going to have a chat with us about this book. We're going to talk about uh, overall thoughts and feelings on the, the rules and campaign and all the rest of it. So, yeah, really interesting conversation uh, and big thanks to Ben for doing it. With the exception of this episode, what we're planning to do in the future is to do uh, more frequent but shorter episodes. Putting together an hour long podcast, especially with a outer guest, is uh, quite an effort and leads to quite a slow release schedule. But hopefully if we can sort of adjust our focus a little bit, we can tone it down uh, in terms of duration and put out more content. So that'll be the plan going forward and you know as as they say all no plan survives contact with the enemy um and the world is trying very hard to destroy us at the moment so that might not happen but we'll we'll just have to wait and see we are going to be adjusting a few segments we had said that we were going to do a, a faction focus we are going to pick that up at some point we're going to talk about uh, dwarves in lord of the rings we are also because of inflation and price creep we have slightly adjusting our a hobby on a shoestring. Now, the original budgets were uh, £150 for Heresy and £100 for Warhammer and Age of Sigma. Last year, Games Workshop have repackaged and rebranded stuff, and then new combat patrols are coming in, which are phasing out and replacing the start collecting series um and they're a bit more expensive. So we've we've decided we need to up the budget a little bit. So we're going for £150 for uh Warhammer 
and £250 for uh, Forgeworld, which we think is probably going to get you a, a more viable army to, to get started with for, for whatever system you're looking at. So, um, yeah, that's that's some of the, uh, the changes that we're putting in, but uh, all for the better, we think, all for the better. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to cut to the chase and we're going to get started with our conversation with Ben on Horus Heresy Book 9 Crusade. How do you how do you want me to introduce you? Uh, you can introduce me as Ben or Heresy Junkie off Twitter or both. Um, uh, I don't really know what to say. Really, I'm just a, a long term Heresy player. I've been playing Heresy since before before you made the game. So, okay, um, how did you manage that? So uh, there used to be uh, a forum on uh, on online called the Great Crusade, which then changed. It changed a few. Quite, quite a few but years back to the first expedition. It was called the Great Crusade, and it was just a bunch of hobbyists. A lot of them that are sort of like pretty prominent in like the community actually work for Forge World now. Or uh, so Laurie Golding was one of the, he, he set it up. He's now well, he was um, commissioning editor for Black Library, and then now is is something over in, in America to League of Legends. Um, uh, Dimmy, um, a Greek guy who's one of Forge World's studio painters. And is now a lead background writer for the Horus Heresy. Um, uh, a guy called Apollo. Uh, but there's a, basically, there's a bunch of us. And like, I don't know if you've come across a guy called King Fluff who runs events now. So we all started up then because we had a love of like, heresy. So we tried to heresy model before there were heresy models, effectively. So oh, that's amazing. I, did, I, had, I had no idea that was a thing. Um, yeah, there was quite, quite a community. Like, borrowing and stealing any sort of part from any kit that would look suitably old so yeah um and and that which was quite cool and then uh, um i've been with the heresy ever since i mean I, I started like a lot of people i started with 40k um, but it was the heresy background that made me go i want to do heresy modeling and gaming and that's pretty much there's pretty much i dabbled with 40k since it changed to eighth but it's not it's not 40k i grew up with if that makes any sense so yeah. i don't I don't, yeah. really, I, don't, I don't really enjoy it in the same way as I used to enjoy it. So it's a, it's a different it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? It's not the yeah, same it game anymore. It seems to be a lot more um, 
competitive focused, if you know what I mean. So yeah. it seems to be built around, which is, is a fine. It's, I mean, I'm happy to be in the minority on that, that the game's going well and people enjoying it, but I just, it just doesn't feel right to me anymore. So, yeah. Cool. So, um, so what drew you to, to Dark Angels? In, in case you don't know, Ben is a hardcore Dark Angels player. Um, you've got one of the biggest and nicest looking Dark Angels armies I've seen on the interweb. Um, and the rate you can knock these things out is quite staggering. I'm, I'm very impressed. So um, You've got Dark a massive Angels. knights army as well, haven't you? Not well. No, not, not any. I, I had that. So I've, I, I've been doing Dark Angels since, well, forever. I started with Dark Angels back just before second edition of 40k um so dark angels were the first army i really liked and i think that was pretty much just because i liked the color green when i first went into this um a games workshop um i like the color green and then actually i really like their backgrounds sort of the mystery of the like secrets pin secrets and stuff um so i've always done dark angels and then when heresy came out finally and we started getting the kits um like the betrayal of yeah, betrayal of Kals in there um uh, and, and we started getting the sets from uh, oh, what was it, Badab, when they brought out all the resin like Mark Three, Mark Two, etc. Yeah. Um, because Dark Angels, like, were one of the legions, they just didn't get anything initially because um, it's focusing obviously on the Isfan and Isfan Four legions. It was a case of um, I just said Isfan Four, it's Isfan Three, isn't it? But anyway, three and five, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and five, three and five, yeah, yeah. Been doing Heresy for ages, but I can't name the two biggest battles. Um, uh, so I did Iron Warriors for a long time. But I did Iron Warriors because they were really quick to paint. Um, so being a, being a teacher and a dad, um, I don't get a huge amount of free time. So I've always tried to make um, pick armies that are relatively easy to paint. So the Dark Angels also, I kind of stayed away from that because I was like, at first I was like, the idea of painting black didn't appeal to me. Um, just because I thought black's going to take a long time. And actually, the first time I, I, I finally decided to go back and do it was one of the events of Warhammer World. Um, and it was a, you had to have a thousand point army. So I was like, right, well, for, for one of the battles, and then it grew. So I was like, well, I'll do a thousand point army, and that will just be an allied detachment in a bigger army later on. And that kind of, I kind of taught myself how to paint black quickly that way, and then just threw my lot in behind it. So it's just a case of, I'm, I've not changed any of the techniques or anything like that. I've just got a really simple scheme that I know how to do quickly now. So yeah, um, so it's it's <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to, when I started out painting heresy stuff. I wouldn't have been able to paint them out as quickly as I do. Yeah. So um, one one of the um, things I've been really impressed by is how consistent your army looks. Um, I'm one of these people who doesn't like the first squad I paint doesn't look anywhere near like what the last squad I paint is, um, which is why I'm always kind of recycling projects and like I've, my uh spartan that i've got uh, for my space wolves has been part of four different armies yeah the spartan in mine has, has been in six different paint schemes and it's uh it needs to be replaced at some point because it's, it's the thing is it's just like it's a spartan you don't <laughs> it's not a model that you just like just chuck away to one side it's yeah. so um, so no i try i try to i mean i think that's one of the ways of keeping it simple as well like a lot of the Sort of the Dark Angel armies I've seen online as well that I look at and go, wow, that's that's phenomenal. A lot of it is sort of airbrushing techniques and things like that. And I, I've never used an airbrush, so um, it's uh, and they get like gradient and xenophore highlights and stuff like that. And I was just like, yeah. I haven't got time for, for messing about with that. So it's flat black, 
it's edge highlighted with two colours and then it's hit with a varnish. And if you keep everything neat and in the lines and you've got your highlight consistent, um, I think that can have a better effect than having individual models looking amazing, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so, yeah, no, it, well, they, uh, it looks fab. Uh, that group shot you did, or the, the collection of group shots that you oh, did, yeah, was, uh, yeah. was really impressive. Well, anyway, I'm hoping to get, get them all out in the battle uh, when yeah. all of this COVID stuff's out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, long dormant have been have been the dice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, as a Dark Angels player, I'd imagine you were uh, drumming your fingers on desks for a very long yeah. time, waiting for for your rules to come out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, we got our, our sort of get by rules um, that we've been using for for quite a while. Um, which were, it was nice to have rules. I think that was a thing. But I mean, I'm a bit of a um, bit of a Forgeworld fanboy, so I kind of let them off with a lot of things that actually, when you look at it through a different perspective, you go, ah, oh, there's some there's some really glaring errors in a lot of these books in terms of rules that don't quite work or don't quite sync together and you kind of let it off because it's like it's not really competitive i'm sure you can work it out with someone but um there were a few problems i think with the the early dark angel rules and i was very looking forward to book nine hopefully fixing them and it kind of did and kind of didn't at the same time yeah um so yeah i'm very excited about the book i think it's the uh the first heresy book where i've literally been sat hitting refresh on the forgeable page ready for pre-order so. yeah did you did you get a wave one hardback yeah, got wave one hardback, got the lion. No, actually, I didn't get the lion. What I did is me and my friend Pete, who's also a big Dark Angel player, he's uh, on Twitter, he's Rotate That Fish. He's a fantastic Dark Angel. He's a fantastic painter. His Dark Angels are, are stunning as well. But um, we drove down to Warhammer World on release day, uh, got there for when Warhammer World opened, bought our lions, got in the car, drove straight back up to uh, Lancashire, built them, sprayed them, and then spent 11 hours and both got them finished just on the day, so we could get a line painted <laughs> first. So, that's, um, that's quite impressive. Um, yeah. Um, his is better than mine, so I'm, I'm, I'm a bit <laughs> annoyed about that. But yeah, the, um, the, yeah I got a, a Wave 1 book and I got the dice and things like that, but yeah, I was, I was itching when that book came through the door. I was just like, right, don't speak to me, I need to look at this book. Yeah, go away, yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Daddy's got work to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so overall impressions then? Um, mine are a little bit mixed. Um, so mine's mine's mine. I, it's hard to look at it without looking at it through rose tinted glasses as a Dark Angel player. If you like, yeah. I, I had the same issue with um, with Tempest and Ultramarines. Yeah. So I was I was a little bit. I mean, I've been a little bit anxious anyway because since book seven since book seven landed where there was a pretty substantial power jump um, with thousand suns, spaceals and custodes just being so much stronger than anything that had come before, but also having quite a lot of mistakes in their own rules. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a bit of a letdown. I felt. Yeah. Then book nine came and I felt like blood angels felt over neutered in a sense of just like as a knee jerk reaction to seven, I thought blood angels, they didn't feel like Blood Angels to me reading in, in book nine. Um, so uh, in book eight, so book nine, I was a, I was a little bit anxious about what it was going to be. But I think the best thing about book nine, if you take the rules out of the equation, up until book nine, the Dark Angels didn't really have an identity. So 
all we could do is basically look at 40k dark angels and work our way back yeah and try and say right okay well the raven wing and the death wing exist and we know we've, the iron wing was a thing back in rogue trader and we've heard the dread wing being mentioned and i wonder what the fire wing do and i wonder what the storm wing do and so there was there was you knew there was the wing system we knew there were an old legion so they were the first legion they had kit that other legions didn't have but it wasn't really that sort of identity on sort of well, where are markings going to go what do they look like what's yeah. what's the are they going to be robed are they are they still warrior monks back then or are they more like knights um and then, and i don't think necessarily the um the black black library novels helped because the first two are very different to any of the others they don't it was like a mixed identity there as well because they were early on in the heresy series and they were written by lesser known authors at the time i yeah. don't think they necessarily so they're, they're books that you could take out of the Horus Heresy book series and it doesn't really affect them. Yeah, um, I'd say the first Descent of Angels didn't actually, to me, it, it wasn't really like about Dark Angels. No, no. It, it was about pre-Dark Angels. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. three quarters of the book is just these yeah. these knights who well, suddenly go, ah. Oh, the thing about that is I, I believe that's the book where the second, the, 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 the sort of the bit that is... The finishing part of the book, the bit that is the Legion to the Dark Angels, I believe that was written by Graham McNeil, not um, the original author. I think it was it was finished off by him. I don't know for a definite on that. Is that um, the when like Luther almost blows up the ship? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I think spoilers to anyone who hasn't read the sixth yeah. book of the sixty-four series. Go heresy. home. I'm not happy with you. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, I mean, for me, like the um, the uh, the Gav thought. Gav Thorpe writes Dark Angels very well. He understands them, and I think that goes back. And whether or not you like his writing style, I personally love it. Yeah, he's he's keeper um, of the keys for Dark Angels, isn't he? Yeah, he's um, and I think that goes back to his days of being a you know a, a rules writer for in forty k and and being built around that. So, but no, yeah, the, the whole thing was like there wasn't really that strong identity that you got through the other black books. Like when you get your Legion, you know. Because like units, armies have specialist units and stuff like that, but they don't, having a specialist unit, you're never quite sure, oh, what's it going to be? Are we going to get a bite unit for the Raven Wing, a Terminator unit for the Death Wing? Is that how it works? And I think that whole sort of um, hexagrammaton side of it and showing off the wing systems and showing off the fact that for a long time they were the only legion and they were kind of the proto-legion for all the other legions. So they can do what everyone else does. Um, uh but they do it in different ways and they've, and they've still got all the hidden secrets within them that not all dark angels know about every other thing that's going on. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're sort of the, the emperors, like they, the, the, they are to like every, to, to everything else, what the space wolves are to the legion, like the space wolves were the executioners. They were like, they were the, the, the final sanction to the legion. The dark angels appear to have come across as the final sanction to everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I see, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I love, I love I, I, that background side of things. in it, I think is absolutely fantastic because it's given an identity and it's changed actually how I've gone about painting. I've gone back in and repainted a lot of my earlier stuff to, to bring in, because obviously they've, they've added a lot of red to the paint scheme. Yeah. Um, which I've, I've incorporated. I've also like taken a bit of liberties. Like I, I, I know why, and I like the story behind the bone armor on like Deathwing companions. The fact that, that if they've taken a, a wound, they, uh, for their, who they're protecting, they paint the part of their armor bone. But 
I don't like that visually, so mine won't have any bone on them. So I'm just going to say, yeah, mine are all cowards. <laughs> um, but I've yeah, I've gone back and changed that and used the transfer sheet. I don't get me started on the transfer sheet. I'm livid about the Dark Angel transfer sheet. <laughs> oh, no. They don't need to be cowards. Your lord is just a boss, yeah. and just yeah, they're yeah. not necessary. They're really good. It's like we just moved out the way of the bullet. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm. So the background things I actually loved. Um, I had to read the rules several times to try and I was like, what? <laughs> Trying to figure things out first. And and going going back over I mean, they've got a lot more than any of the legions have had. Um they've got a lot more specialist units. Uh obviously the same number of characters. I think Lionel Johnson is pretty solid in, in what he is. He's a he's a he's a combat brute and, and he should be in the in, in the background for it. He always was one of the best sort out of the Primarchs. Yeah. Um I think I was hoping he was going to have more tactical impact on the army because that was one of the famous things about Lionel Johnson is he was really good at planning battles and there doesn't seem to be anything around that rules-wise. But I can live with it because I don't... Primarchs, if you take... You don't build your army around... Well, I don't build an army around a Primarch. You take it for fun games. I don't exactly rock up to a Primarch with a Primarch for every game. Yeah. Um, so I'm less concerned about that than I was about the other rules. I'm really glad they got rid of the Dark Angel auto-lose rule that they used to have which was the, if you've got equal to or um, less units than the army you're facing at the end, they get D3 plus one victory points. And based on, obviously, a lot of the heresy missions are actually quite low scoring in terms of victory points. Yeah, so that, that doesn't sound like a great idea lose. at all. Yeah. It was very easy to lose games. There's so many times you'd get to a game, and, you'd it, and then you'd write there and you'd go, oh, look at the Dark Angels rule. Yeah, okay, roll. Oh, yeah, you've rolled a six. So you've got four victory points, you win. Um, so that rule went. Um, they toned down the biomolecular acid and that's fine with me as well i mean i ran a ravenwing army for for a while with um with molecular acid um jet bikes and it was really good but it was very clunky in game to try and work out what the ap value of the weapon was going to be so i said i've, I've always said i'd rather I'd, i'm quite happy with them to lose that random ap um uh just to speed the game up a bit and they've, they've taken that out but <laughs> then there were other weapons that didn't really make sense previously and they've stayed exactly the same so um, the plasma repeater for example i don't understand why you would ever use that gun over a plasma gun um and they didn't really fix it with that so do they not get hot isn't isn't that a dark no, angels plasma no, thing they still get hot yeah they've got a, a 12 inch range um they're a salvo weapon, um, which I, I still don't get salvo weapons really. I don't understand why they are, because most things that have salvo weapons ignore the salvo rule anyway. Um, so they get hot, a salvo 2-3, twin linked, short range. Um, a plasma gun has got longer range. and Yeah, it could potentially have one more shot if you don't move, but and then it's also potentially one more shot to hurt you. Yeah. Uh, and they cost a lot of points. <laughs> so... It's not so, and also, I'm not entirely certain what they're supposed to look like, so I've never bothered trying to model them either. So, yeah, um, I might have said this uh, on a, on another episode, but the plasma gun is the stupidest piece of military hardware. No one in their right mind is going to use a weapon as a one in six chance of killing you. Yeah. It's just, just nobody's, no, no one's doing that. You know I mean? as, a, as a Dark Angel player for a very long time, I, I feel that it's my duty to take as much plasma as possible because that was always like the 40k identity to Dark Angels was, was plasma. Yeah. Now I think, again, with this book, it changes it a bit more to the the uh, earlier esoteric weaponry like Volkite and stuff like that that yeah. feels very much more Dark Angels. Anything that, that's slightly dodgy, 
they still use. I mean, I, I, I still love the whole concept of the Dreadwing. Um, the fact that they just have these vaults on ships and the, the Dread Vault, and, and, and it's stuff that, that the Emperor has decreed no one is allowed to use. I mean, you're allowed the Life Eater virus and you're allowed psychonic torpedoes that can destroy planets, but you can't use that gun that's in there unless the Dark Angels say so. And it's like... Yeah, you have all the toys. (laughs) Yeah, they've got lots of toys. Um, They've got more rights of war than any other Legion. They've technically got eight because this doesn't... I don't think it replaces the two that existed previously. So the the Ravenwing and, and... Ironwing writes previously, there's nothing in here that indicates, because obviously the Night Lords one, it says this replaces... It supersedes it, yeah. Um, and these rights of war have got completely new names. So they still exist until it gets FAQ'd, and who knows when that might be. Yeah. Um, uh, I like I like what they've tried to do. I think that's what I'd say. I, I like the fact that you can give hexagrammat- signs of the hexagrammaton rules to characters and, and um, so you can make them members of Stormwing, Deathwing, Dreadwing, etc. Um, but they're very expensive to do that and doesn't really, the rule doesn't seem to reflect the points cost. It's like, I was chatting to a friend, obviously with Thousand Sons, and it's hard to compare to Thousand Sons because they, they got a lot of toys as well when they came out. But they're all psychers and it doesn't cost them any extra to do that. Um, whereas Dark Angels will pay like 25 points a model to re-roll the first fail to hit roll in a challenge. It's like, it's a lot of points for a very sort of circumstantial ability, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, um, so I like the idea. I don't, I, either the points need to be lower for them or the rules need to be better for them. Yeah, that's a, that's um, a five or ten point upgrade, isn't it? That's yeah, not... at best, yeah. Um, and the problem is, is because you have to have those on at least three models, um before you can take any of the rights of war, it's a 75-point tax on a right of war straight away. Yeah. Your, your commander's got to have it, and then your two troops' choices have got to have it. Now, obviously, Dreadwing and Firewing um, can get round that in the sense that their units can become troops in their rights of war. Um, it's still, it still baffles. And then, like, the rights of war, I still... I'm still not sure what they are in the sense that they're supposed to capture how those particular wings fight. So if you have an army that's built around one wing, how they fight. But the there's just it just feels like there's bits missing from them or they're not fully full all the way through. Or maybe I'm just not reading them right. But Dreadwing... Everyone initially were like, oh, Dreadwing's an amazing right of war. And I was like, is it, though? Because I, I don't think it's very good at all. Because everything has to go in transport, so you turn the entire battlefield into difficult and dangerous terrain. And the only way you can win is to get into your opponent's deployment zone. So you slow your entire army down, and then, like... Yeah. Then you've got to cross the board to do it and take dangerous train tests for every vehicle you've got in there. I mean, it's got some really funky rules in there that on paper initially you look at it and go, oh, that's amazing, everyone can have status stasis grenades. But it's 30 points a unit to give them stasis grenades. They can have rag grenades, but it's 30 points a unit. And you start adding up those points. And then you look at it and go, right, everything's got to be destroyers or dreadwing interrupters. Um, there's your troops' choice. Um, uh 
all compulsory troops have to have sign of the Dreadwing. So if you do destroy these, you have to pay 25 points per squad to give that to the sergeant. Um, so it's, I think you could make a really thematic army, but you would be, it's almost like the, um, I would like to try, try to compare things as to what I think is the worst possible right of war that exists currently in Heresy, which for me is the, um, is the Dreadnought right. Because I was literally just thinking much, of that one, yes. Uh, something of the ancients, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because you, 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 my uh, my friend Chris runs it, <laughs> ran it a few times with his Iron Hands. We went to, ah, see, uh, Iron Hands is probably the only one where you might get away with that. <laughs> he didn't. We went to uh, we went to an event at, at Warhammer Worlds. Um, it must be about three, four years ago now, and he was running those Iron Hands. And the guy that won the event because it's done on your victory, how many victory points? So basically, the the number one traitor on the thing had. I think it was like 85 victory points he'd scored across his five games, but he got like 60 of them from Chris. <laughs> so it was just killing all his dreadnoughts. And um, and it, it just, it's like a force multiplier for it. So that, that cracked us up. That's so easy. It was so easy to kill. So I was trying, like, I was looking at it and I was like, looking right, okay, what do I think is the most powerful? And then, and again, this is from experience of playing them, I still think things like Armored Breakthrough are incredibly strong as, um, as rights of war. They don't really have much drawbacks. And you kind of have to... Is that the all-tank one? That's the one where Predators... Predators are a troop and you can have an HQ, Sakaran. Yeah, and everything. Sakaran's moved to elites and then everything, anything that's three whole points or less um, gains the fast rule. Um, And obviously it's just scoring tanks. And and Heresy is quite... quite, I I think there's different ways to play it, but tanks are very strong in Heresy because it's still based on that 7th edition system. So unless you've got an army that's really built around taking down vehicles they can be really strong so i do see that as a really strong right of war yeah um, the, the biggest drawback to that right of war is it's ruinously expensive <laughs> well it isn't it, it isn't it is i i ran um uh that with um with my iron warriors but i i used a lot of plastic predators and, and when you've been in the hobby for a long time you, you often have lots of things like that that you can strip back and repaint again if you went yeah straight through the the, um, yeah, if you went through the, the Forge World channels, it's 300 quid for your two compulsory uh, troop choices. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, when, when his price got in the way of heresy. Oh, exactly, <laughs> so, um, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so I thought Dreadwing is, is, is a cool right of war, but I think it's got a lot of a lot of drawbacks to it, too many. Um, I think Steel Fist is possibly the strongest, um, like, all-rounder. Because that, that's the Ironwing right of war. But what it does is it gives you the best parts of... of um, uh, you basically combine Armoured Breakthrough with Armoured Spearhead. So you get your Land Raiders as, as, your, as your dedicated transports and your Predators become troops. So it makes... It, it, it's not quite... It doesn't get quite the bonuses on that, but then you can go... Normally you can go Predator Heavy or Land Raiders. But in this one you can go both. And Land Raiders are really strong in Heresy anyway, so... Um, I think that's a, a really strong one, but I don't know whether it necessarily captures captures what Iron, Iron Wing are. Um, but I do, I, I, I do like that one, and that's one that I looked at and went, I can play that straight away with what I, what I already own. Um, Storming, I love the idea of Storming. I think that's fantastic. Uh, but, but again, it's like, yeah, because you're going to have mass troop choices. Um, uh, but it's a, again, it's like it's a bit meh because you have to pay... Um, that that point that that like points tax to have it. Um, I've been told by my friend James, who is 
very good at spotting when things are very good. He says the, he thinks Firewing is a really strong right of war. Um, I can't see it myself, but um, I defer to him because he's very good at spotting things like that. Because I think he 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 um, it can be really effective for taking out certain things. Um, the, the new Ravenwing one, the Seeker's Arrow, is just utter garbage, in my opinion. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, Ravenwing, bikes and jet bikes. Oh, all your jet bikes have to start off the board. Great. <laughs> but they don't come in on turn one. It's not like the Blood Angels Assault right or anything like that. Yeah. So, so like, those squads you left on can very easily get tabled and then you'll shit yeah, out of luck. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, the. Um, I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not overly enamoured by the rights of war. I tend not to use rights of war that often anyway, so that doesn't really... And I, I like what they try to do. I just don't think they're very clear, and I don't like that tax that you have to pay for characters. Yeah. Uh, and then the units. Whereas I, I love the units. I think the units are fantastic. I don't think they're any they're not particularly amazing, not particularly awful. Um, but the fact that we've got, I think, four wings represented in their units there, is really cool. Um, I like the Inner Circle Knights. I think I think the model range, the Dark Angel model range, of course, will have done is, is one of the strongest. I don't know I'm biased, but I do think. No, it, it is it is very pretty, and it's only my overall loathing of Dark Angels that stopped me from buying some. <laughs> yeah, you see, it's the um, the sculptor's done a cracking job on, on them. So yeah, I like the Inner Circle Knights. I've got a unit of those, but I haven't painted them because each one takes the same length of time as a character. So it would take me at least five days to get that squad done. So I've done one, and I'll I'll get round to the others later. Um, I like those. I like the fact that they're there from any wing, so um, you can put them in. I, I like the weapon. I like the fact they've all got Tronic Great Swords because I play against Mechanicum quite regularly, and Tronic Great Swords are awesome. Um, and I like their plasma burnery, flamery things. Plasma casters, I think they're they're quite cool. Um, uh, pl- plasma that doesn't get hot. Yeah, that, that's what <laughs> so, I was. That's what I was thinking of earlier. Yeah. Yeah, plasma that doesn't get hot, you know, which is is great. Um, One thing that really caught that caught my eye was this um, battle automata thing. I'm just trying to find. Oh, it. I love it! It's mad. I love it. It's and it's one of these things where you just go. Oh, the, yeah, the Iron Wing Exindio class battle yeah, automata. It's just gonna go. It's one of these things that. You look at it and go, it's 300 points. It's, it's going to be amazing. And you go, yeah, it's, it, it potentially. I mean, you could lose control of it on turn one. but it's, um, Yeah. So it's basically like a really angry Leviathan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's slightly, it's not quite as tough as Leviathan, but has more wings, doesn't it? Um, uh, sorry, sorry. I'm not sorry, Leviathan. Leviathan doesn't have wings. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's, it's a step between something like between a Domitar and a Sanitar, isn't it? Yeah. But I remember this from the weekender when they were talking about um, what was because the Dark Angels. I think at the weekender the Dark Angels were going to be in book eight with the Blood Angels at one point. Yeah, it was going to be like a rehash so, of Angels of Death, yeah. wasn't it? So they were they were talking about the Dark Angels there, and at that one they said that um, the Space Wolves are the executioners for the Legions, the Dark Angels the executioners for the Mechanicum, and I thought, well, that's a really cool idea. So they don't have Mechanicum pattern automata they have terran pattern automata yeah um which doesn't this doesn't appear to have come through in this book at all other than this crazy um ai mad robot with bizarre weapons and i just can't wait to see i really hope they make a model for it yeah because well at its base war gear so it's a monstrous creature it's got two dreadnought close combat weapons two manipulator arms so it's going to be running around with four arms 
two combi bolters and an internal refractor field. Yeah. Uh, Rampage, has... Hatred, Everything, Vengeful yeah, Rage. Vengeful Rage. Which is a um, new one. It's got that shackled artificer as well, hasn't it? Which is artificer, which yeah. um, gives it fearless adamantium will, fire protocols, machine creature, and cybernetica resilience. Um, uh, and it's the uh, it's got its relic weapons it can take, which I mean it gets very expensive when you start bolting things on, because um, it can straight, change its close combat weapons for crazy guns. Yeah, and I like crazy science cannons. It's got phosphex canister launcher. Um, phosphex is awesome. So, uh, and APT phosphex is even better. <laughs> yeah, everyone blast barrage, poison three yeah. plus crawling fire, lingering death. Yeah, that's nasty. Yeah, yeah, that'll do. And then you've got what the nerve induction shredder. So poison four plus, but ignores cover. Six shots AP two. Yeah, that's um, going to be a that's going to be a tidy model. I'd imagine that'll be topping a hundred pounds as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the thing. Like my my favorite my favorite unit they've done is the interrupters. I absolutely love them. Um, uh, but I've got a squad of ten, and I can't justify buying any more because <laughs> it's a ten man unit in power, in power armor. Yeah, it's it's eighty four pounds. Than the like ubiquitous termite to go in as well. So um, yeah, they're, they're they're right at my price elasticity point with some of the Dark Angel units, but it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I love I love the um, the battle automata. I like the fact you can have you can have a tech marine running around after it trying to kill switch. Yeah, heal, heal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although we were, we were chatting about that, so um, again, this is one of the rules that because there's a few things in here where you look at it and go I don't think you read this fully I, I'd like I know proofreading must exist but I don't know who proofreads anything so if you look at the if I go back to the um, the firewing the firewing have um, they have hatred characters twice because they have the ability hatred characters in their special rules and sign as the firewing gives them hatred characters yeah. So you're like, yay! So you gave them the same rule twice, and then that's like, it's, it doesn't change the unit, but it's just I don't know, it's lazy, so it's annoying that things like that exist. Yeah. And you've got the um, where are they? The uh, the Deathwing companions. So this is my favourite, the Deathwing companions, who I like the concept of the Deathwing companions, and again, love the models. I'm, I'm currently making a five man squad with jump packs to go around with my mad uh, champion. Um, and uh, but there's an option if your character's in Terminator armor, they can be given Terminator armor. Um, and if they've got Terminator armor, they can take a Land Raider Proteus as a dedicated transport. Okay. You can't fit however, six of them in. However, they cannot leave the character they join, and the character that joins them cannot leave that unit. And if he's in Terminator armor and they're in Terminator armor, that's twelve slots. So they can buy a dedicated transport that they can never get in, and it's just like. It's what? yeah. It's the part of part of me is kind of hoping that maybe this is future proofing and and uh, in a in a we're going to get a new edition of the game or a new FAQ that's going to change things and maybe they're going to make the approaches. I don't know transport capacity twelve, but it's um yeah. It's it's a it's the thing that's never sat right with me is that Rhino yeah. should be capacity eleven and yes. and land raider should be capacity 12 because otherwise yeah. what is the point of, of you can't it's, have a command I, squad and the number a, of times yeah. that i've taken a spartan just to put a five-man squad in a praetor because you're there going well i can't put them in a land raider that's yeah. the only transport they'll fit in so um yeah that 
things like that would frustrate me. And I don't think there would be a backlash on the community on that one. No, no, I don't think it would. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, yeah like I said, I love the Dreadwing Interrenters. I kind of wish there was a rule in there that would let Moritats join them because they are essentially a... Um, uh, they're a... What's the call it? Unit. The uh, destroyer. They're basically a destroyer unit. So, um, and... Moritats can only join destroyers. I know the Blood Angels versions, they Moritat can join them, but the Dreadwing weren't allowed it. So it, it is what it is, but it would have been a nice touch. Um, uh, and I, so yeah, I, I really like Dreadwings. I think the the Dreadwing Interemptors, I think they're they're really cool because um, they've got again they've got cool guns. I, they're not particularly amazing guns. I, I think a plasma again a plasma support squad would do better, but. They look cool. They're very dark angel. They've got their own unique war gear, and they're really nice sculpts. So I like them. I think the whole thing to me is just like I don't think there's anything sort of game breaking in there. They don't. There's nothing in there that that kind of doesn't work, but it just doesn't. Yeah, there's no sec met equivalent, is there? Yeah. yeah no. No. There's the, there's no, there's nothing in there that just jumps out at me and going, oh my god, that's brilliant, or that's amazing, or it's all just a bit like that aspect of it's quite cool, but I don't understand this part of it. Type thing. Uh, I think the characters are cool. I think um, we've got four named characters because we've got two released before the book that were on the the website. So um, I should imagine Corswain's the one that we'll get the model for. I can't imagine Mardik Cedrus is going to get a model because usually they do one, don't they, as a character series model. So. Yeah, I'm hoping Corswain's the one we get because um, obviously he's really a really important character in the Heresy. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting him. And actually, I think his rules really cool. I think he's a, apart from the fact that he doesn't get to use the Dark Angel Blade Master ability with the blade because it's not one of the named swords. Yeah, that's again that seems like a kind of <laughs> bit of an oversight. He, He's our sword champion. He's like the champion of the company. Of thing, but mm. no, I, I did his. like the fact that you have to have this little box that says this unit may only be taken as part of a loyalist faction army. Yes, yes. That made me very, very, very proud. Yeah, because yeah, I, I don't yeah. think the Ultramarines have got that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you do. Um, oh, yeah, because being a Dark Angel player since like the early 90s, I've, I've never heard any jokes about us being traitors. So. Oh, well, in that case... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I do. I like the fact as well. What's really cool, and it's a, it's a, I think it's more of a, a nod to like really hardcore Dark Angel fans. But Corswain's armed with the blade. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but in 40k, there's a relic called Corswain's blade. So it's the blade of Corswain, which can. Um, um, so I like the fact that in Heresy, it's just called the blade, but in 40k, it's Corswain's blade, which is cool. Uh, I, I didn't clock that. That's, that's clever. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice little, um, nice little nod. Yeah. I, I like the little nods that the that you, you see in those things. Um, I love the fact that the vehicle doors are pointy. Like yes. they they've got the the circle and it's like that's the star of chaos. Well done. It's not. There's six points to it. It's the hexagrammaton. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I, I must have. I, must, I can't when count it first clearly. Came out like that, yeah, I got that from a lot of people. Oh look, it's the eight pointed star of chaos. I was like, oh, <laughs> I've never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing is as well, actually, joking aside, this book really does nail down the loyalties, but it's almost like that they went too far off the loyal side, which is why a lot of the stuff that you look at now and you go, they're crying. Because let's be honest, half the Legion went traitor, but so did half the White Scars. And then, yeah, nobody gives the White Scars players shit about that, do they? No, no. Um, 
but the uh, although I don't, I've, I've never read of or heard of any fiction of traitor ultra means. I'll give them that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the um, you also didn't hear about, about a lot about loyalist night lords. But uh, the, um, the yeah, there's the, that one knight errant who's a bit sketchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's questions about seventh tower, isn't there as well? But um, there's the the thing with 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 this one. It's just like it's almost like. So I've always had this discussion that I think that the the line is autistic. I don't know if you've ever, ever so, so I work I work a lot with my job is as a primary school teacher, but SEN's been a specialism, so I work a lot with autistic children. Um, and you can see like a lot of autistic tendencies. That, that does make you qualified to make this assumption. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, where's yeah, he going right. with this? <laughs> so he's he's definitely not a people person, and he sees everything as black and white. Um, and I, I see this a lot in my day to day that that the, um like a lot of the subtleties in sort of human interaction um are really challenging for autistic people and the line is very much a case you're either on my side or you're not and like spoiler alert through some of the not a lot of the reasons the way he treats luther the way he is is he sees one act by luther as an act of betrayal and therefore is unforgivable um one of his his, his, one of his chaplains answers him back on the bridge of his ship and he punches his head off. It's like the... Yeah, that did come out of left field for me. I was like, whoa, okay. Um, uh, and I think this, there's a thing with, with the line, and it's, it's also in a lot of books they've, they've put that in. And, uh, uh, there's a conversation with Marcador and the Emperor as well about whether, where, when they're back on Terra. And they're, it's in uh, Scars, actually, when they're trying to work out the loyalties of the legions they've not heard from. And, and um, uh, Malkador uh, says to, to uh, suggest the Dark Angels, and, and the Emperor's like, absolutely not. <laughs> They're not traitors. It's the White Scars I'm worried about. Um, the thing with, with that is is that I think with the, the line, he is so loyal to the sense that this is what this this is my job. This is my father. This is what we do. Um, anything I then do to defend him is absolutely fine because I've chosen to do it and I'm loyal. So even if I do something that could be perceived as completely wrong, like dropping 400 drop pods full of phosphates or whatever on a, uh, on, uh, on McCrag <laughs> as something, yeah, you're not, you, you're not allowed to use orbital weapons. Well, technically I didn't use orbital weapons. I used phosphates in drop pods. Um, he's absolutely fine to do that because he's loyal. So if, if he's choosing to do that, that's fine. And I think that's in a way, some of the some of the things that the Dark Angels do that are like very very well, it's not even grey area it's flat out you shouldn't be doing that is because their um their uh, his loyalty is is such that he feels that he can do whatever he wants yeah you can just sort of when, matter, yeah. when when like uh, Gilliman points an accusatingly uh, accusingly at him oh. and you can just see the line just sort of tap in the number one on his pauldron and be like yeah yes. I got I got this so you That's can one of my favourite exchanges in in all the her- heresy books is i think is it unremembered empire where, yeah i love that book That's where brilliant. he's watching the dark angels arrive and it's just that brotherly rivalry and it's it's rebooted it just goes is he, he's taller than me as well as well it's just like he's better than me he's got more victories everything's perfect about him and he's a little bit taller too yeah but there's a there's one in um in the other one in the Ruinstorm book again kind of shows the the lines thing because the whole the, the core of that book is the three tests each Primarch gets tested by the Chaos Gods to see if they can sway them across. So, Rebute, shall he use the Anathame? Shall I use the weapons of my enemy against me? You've got um, uh, Sanguinius dealing with the, the fact that 
his fate says he's going to die, that he can't win the fight with Hawkins. And then they, they give the line, his kind of, you're trapped in the system, and the only way you can escape is by destroying this planet, which has people... Yeah, okay, father cyclonic torpedoes, done. Yeah, next. <laughs> he's like, he's, yeah, he just doesn't even think about it. The other two spend the entire book trying to figure out whether, whether or not they should do the things they think they should do. And it takes the line, like, a minute to just go, yeah, destroy the planet, then we can go. Yeah. And, and it's it, because for him, it's just like, I'm looking at the wider person, the great... Yeah, I'm looking at the wider mission... That planet's not part of the mission, but it's also from that one that kind of explains where they are, why they weren't a terror, because they've just gone, well, hang on, if we knew that's that planet, we could do that to all the trade home worlds. <laughs> so off we did. Yeah. Off we went Barbarous is nearby. Let's, we'll be back yeah. soon. Yeah. We'll have that one and we can see how many people we can pull off um, to, to come and fight. And it, it, it's quite cool. So uh, I think, yeah, from, from a Dark Angel perspective, I think it, it fleshes out our legion massively. It, um, it it explains a lot of stuff that you didn't understand. It adds loads of new things in there. So the background side of it, the battles, like looking at, at the Rangazina side as well. Yeah, that was, I was really, I mean, it, I think it was pretty obvious that they were going to talk about that, but um, yeah. it's just been one of those things. Everyone's been like, what the hell is this? Can you, can you talk about this now? And now we get a, yes. a full insight into that. It sounds pretty Absolutely. horrific. Yeah. And, and the thing is as well. So like from my, um, from my early days in, in, in playing 40 K as dark angels, there's always been this like, everyone's like, oh, the, the Dark Angels and Space Wolves hate each other. And me and my my good friend Wheelie, he's a, a Space Wolf player, we've always been in the opinion that that's actually not the case. They're, they're really, really close. Um, to, and that's where the rivalry comes from. It's like, yeah, I can take the piss out of them, but you can't type thing. Um, and they're, um, that that Ranga kind of explains that, yeah, actually the, the, the respect and the brotherhood between the Space Wolves and the Dark Angels is really, really strong. And that's why their rivalry is so good. It's, it's like, yeah, they'll have these ceremonial fights with each other and they'll say, but they, if there's a legion that's got another legion back, it's the Dark Angels and the, and the Space Wolves. So there's like that, that rivalry between them, but Ranga kind of cemented the two together because yeah. both of them were hurt a lot. Doing have that, the have you read the, the, the Lehman Russ um, Primark book? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's that, absolutely that, brilliant. Yeah, that well, is very yeah. good. Uh, and, and likewise, the line as a as a as a prime up. But both of those books are, again add so much more detail into the Dark Angels. Um, yeah. um, I do like I do I do love that moment in the um, in the uh, in the prime up book for Russ, where he uh, where he strides forward and pulls his sword on the Dark Angel, who obviously have never seen what had happened with the challenge, so they all just pull their bolters on him. It's like whoa whoa whoa, that's refreshing. We don't have to fight. That's good. I like that. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. some great stuff in there. Great my stuff. my my biggest um, thing that I took from from the book is it went a long way to explain why they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder, mm, um, which is which is a, a, like a, a a character trait I've always sort of associated with the the Dark Angels and yeah. this whole, and it re, it reminded me I'm I'm the oldest of four, yeah. um, and it was one of those things where like. Uh, and I see it now. I've got I've got two little ones. One's four and one's two. And we congratulate the younger one for like finishing his plate at dinner time. Yeah. And the older one's like, but I can do that too. And it was it yeah. was that kind of like huffiness that you get as the oldest child, and like yeah. they're being and praised for something I've been doing for years. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, 
you're the masters of this. We've been doing this for ages. It's like we did it first. So yeah, there's the and it also it, it puts in their grumpiness, but it also puts in a little bit of their arrogance. It's like the, there isn't a foe that we've not bested. Yeah, we the the arrogance of the Dark Angels of, of being the first and we can do what we want to do because we're the first legion that have always done this thing. And I'd probably, and I'm speaking from that, so probably reflected by Dark Angel players as well, that we can be a bit of an arrogant, arrogant about our legion. But um, uh, they're, they're, they're one of the big four, aren't they? They're so, they're so iconic in, in sort of the history of 40K and the heresy that yeah. it's a big deal um, um, to, to get a book for them. And yeah, I, I'm really pleased that I can have a book. Do I wish that some things were better? Yeah. Um, but it's functional. And that's, that's a big takeaway from it is that we haven't got a book that needs to be completely rewritten. We're not getting accused of being overpowered. Yeah, like, this is, this isn't Inferno do, again, is it? Yeah, I do, I do feel for the, you know, the, the, Space Wolf and, and Thousand Ton players through that because there was a, a lot of people were waiting for that book and just wanted to to play with their legions and it just so happened that their legions were very strong from the outset. I mean, um, yeah, I, I, it's, 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 it's not, I don't even want to say bittersweet. I, I really do like book nine. Um, uh, I, I do think it, the what it gives to the legion is a lot more than what, what we lose if you go to me. I think yeah. the, the 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 background that we get is 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 so cool, um, and the fact that we, we've got more than others <laughs> makes me yeah. I mean, we wait a lot of time, but we have got more than others. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was the ha- having a lot more is not specifically the issue, but I my my big gripe with the book. Is it's a hundred pages shorter than all of the others? Yeah, yeah. And um, and I, I get a sense that like when I was reading when I was reading through the Dark Angel stuff, I I I felt that there was stuff in there that they were talking about, like battles and planets yeah. and stuff. That I was like, you've already kind of got this point across, yeah. and I, it just feels like you're doing it because if you didn't, you'd be a hundred and fifty pages shy yeah. of everybody else. I mean, and it was the same price. Play devil's advocate, I will say that the the appendices. Are missing from this book that are normally in the other books and that equates to about a third of that and i'm not i'm not gonna sort of like defend prices and stuff like that because the simple fact is is that the the internet moans we all have a little quiet whinge when the next unit comes out and it's x amount of pounds and they're going this is ridiculous but yeah. we all still then go and buy it yeah so if they price how they like can't they yeah 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 it's it's the whole price elasticity of of, of forgeable models is that i will grudgingly pay. i mean it has priced me out of some things there are some things i just flat haven't bought because i'm there going i'm not willing to pay that amount of money for it yeah um so i just won't have it um the books are essential i mean the irony is, is because i'm not bothered about being a hardback if they'd have released the softback at the same time as the hardback, I'd have just bought the softback because I'm, I'm not bothered about I don't have a full collection of leather-bound um, books. I, I, I've kept the books. for the I've, I, I use the red books extensively. I've read all the books, and I've kept the black books for the legions that I like. and, and I've, So, so um, all the ones that have got specific things like book four, I've, I've hung on to, but I'd have them all in paperback because they're easier to take to games. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah. I I can't imagine we're far off now. All the legions have got their rules of having yeah. a loyalist red book and a traitor red book. Yeah, I, I think the same. I think we'll probably get a loyalist book, traitor book, 
uh, Mechanicum are, are due a new red book because they've had so much stuff since their red book came out. Yeah. Um, I was shocked that the Derrideo was in here. Yeah. Because that, yeah. that model's been well, out Derrida, for like, what, three years? It's only because it's had new weapon systems. But again... Oh, is that it? Is it? So, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's had new weapon systems since its last set of rules. So they've, they've, they've put them in here. Um, uh, yeah, because, I mean, I, I'm... That was one of the nice surprises of the book, actually, were, were the, the two Legion bike units, the bike and jet bike unit. Yeah, they were, they were cool. Um, it gives me hope that you'll get models as well. Um, well, yeah. Well, I'm kind of hoping that they might even be plastic models as well, just because, obviously, through things like um, Adeptus Titanicus and um, Blood Bowl and Lord of the Rings, all the specialist games seem to be going much, heavily, much more heavily into plastic. I mean, the biggest issue that you can see from Forge World over the lockdown period is obviously a lot of people have been buying models because they've been locked down, get things painted. Resin models, you just cannot build and cast them quicker than you can sell them. Um, plastic models, you can fire them out like nobody's business. So Yeah, um, once the startup costs covered as well, they're pence per spring. Yeah, and I'd like to think that, I mean, people, you see people grumbling on Twitter, and I see them grumbling on Facebook and, and things like that. Oh, heresy, the, the usual the end is nigh, heresy is dead, we've not seen something for 37 minutes, so obviously they're ignoring the, the game system. I, I happen to live in a part of the world where heresy is alive and kicking and has a massive community, a massive following. Um, and I, I really hope that the that, that it's the vocal minority you see that whinge about heresy, because, I mean, things seem to still seem to sell out very quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, book nine went out of stock very fast, and I think that was probably more because people were... We didn't realise until was it book eight that, that the the black books the, the hardback black books weren't getting reprinted once the stock went. So I think that may have also been a factor to it. But yeah, it's I mean, the completionist side of the hobby. Like I must have all of yeah. them. Yeah, and well, certainly my my plan will be with this hardback book that when the softback version comes out, I will sell the hardback book onto a collector that wants to have it to complete their collection um, because. It, it doesn't bother me whether it's in hardback. I'm not. I don't have an attachment to uh, to books in the same way, so it doesn't bother me if it's a softback. As long as I can still read what's in it, yeah, I'm not bothered about limited editions or hardback or softback. As long as it's the same. So, um, but on the whole, I think it could have it could have been a lot worse. This book, I, I do agree with you. It's, it is a very small black book. It feels like a small black book. Um, um, and it, it does irk. But the other thing that I was thinking about it is that I, I don't know enough about publishing because obviously these all get published and bound in China, I think. Um, and I, I don't know actually in, in, the, in the binding, in the world of publishing, if, if it actually is any cheaper to have a book that's 300 pages or a book that's 200 pages where the cost is. So it might actually be that it's, it doesn't actually cost them any less, uh, any less to produce a book with 100 less pages in this format there's so I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt yeah i think that's probably a bit more that i'm a, I'm a bit of a, a forge fan so. yeah I, I learned a lot when um so my i have a, a games development company on the on the side yes. um and when we were we were putting together costings for the rule book and the models and stuff like that, i learned a lot about you know the like how much this stuff actually costs yeah yeah um, and it's very I know, much I know it, it's, it's quite frightening when you look at how much it would cost to get it produced in this country compared to getting it produced overseas oh it's it's it was totally unfeasible it was yeah. three or four times the price um yeah. in terms of a book like once a book is a sort of a certain size yeah 
it, it, you're talking like fractions of pence per page. Yeah, um, yeah. I think there might have been an issue is the fact that, that the shipping from China at the moment is ruinously expensive. Yeah. But I, I can't imagine, you know, this book's been in the works for you know, what, two time, years. You know, yeah. that, that wasn't a design factor when they sat down to write it two years ago. I mean, I, again, I'm not trying to be an apologist for four drills and, and for the contents of this book and things like that, but there's, I still think that they are still, they're still recovering from the loss of balance. I think that's a big yeah, impact. Yeah, absolutely. It's so central to that that team, that design team, I mean, it meant so much to the community. It's, I think it's, I mean, because it's quite hard. I, I, I don't even know where to begin with rules writing or, or book writing and, it must be incredibly frustrating for the people that write the rules to hear to see things that have missed or or having things picked out that they missed themselves. Yeah. Um, I wish I wish Forge were, were much quicker on their FAQs. Um, uh, and I don't know the size of the team. I wish they could get their FAQs out faster. Um, that's one of the like whether or not like we were chatting beforehand about forty k and eighth edition. It might not be the game that I that I enjoy but one thing that they do do is they FAQ things very quickly so they get they get um, they get corrections fixed quite quickly like for me it's always my issue has always been that communication is quite poor isn't it from fortune so you're never quite sure what's going on yeah. I get the you distinct impression there's only like three of them at it yeah yeah it's a, well it's a small team but then it's probably a small team because of, of it's, a, it's a smaller game I, I guess yeah um, but they have been like quite aggressively recruiting over the last year. I've seen a lot of job um, jobs coming up in within Forge World within for, for writers, designers, etc. So hopefully they are ramping up for something big soon. Yeah, may even find out on Saturday. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. That weird Titan leg thing that's definitely looks uh, a bit suspect, doesn't it? It's that's that's definitely that just Titanicus. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Pretty certain I know what that is now as well. So, oh, is that insider trading knowledge? Or? No, 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 God, there's no insider trading at all. No, I, I, I know a few people that work for Forge World. They sure as hell wouldn't tell me anything. <laughs> um, no, uh, looking at, uh, I've got the um, Jess Goodwin sketchbook, and there's basically that 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 leg and that leg and that um, like segmented um, plate plate armor is on one of Jesse's sketches. So um, I'm pretty certain it's that Titan. What they choose to call it, I don't know. But it's basically a little bit bigger than a Warlord. It's in between a Warlord and an Imperator. So, oh, nice. Um, so I think it's that one. They might call it the Night Gaunt. I think it's called the Night Gaunt in books. And there was a Night Gaunt back in the Deptus Titanicus. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what it is, the Night Gaunt Titan. Yeah. Um, so that'll be another big kit that we'll all complain that it's cost £100, but we'll all still buy. <laughs> that's fine. Go... Go to the third party and get your twenty five percent off. Yeah, well, that's that. That is the good thing about plastics. Actually, is going. So that's coming back to the dark angels. Part of the reason my dark angels started pretty much entirely on plastics is that I wanted to do a heresy army that I could buy from my LGS because um, that's where I play. That's where I want to be able to put my money. So me buying models from Forge World and then playing with those models in Forge World near store doesn't help him. Um, you don't have to pay a table charge to play in his shop. So I tried to make a heresy army that meant I bought the bulk of my stuff from him. Obviously, there's still things from Forge World that I buy, but that's why I converted my jet bikes out of custom jet bikes instead of buying Forge World jet bikes. They ended up costing me more because of the parts I needed, but the money went through his tilt instead of going through. And it still ultimately goes back to GW. But it yeah, was him and th those bikes look nice. cool as. Thank you. <laughs> 
they're uh, they're a bit divisive actually but <laughs> I'm, I'm, i like them i'm pleased with them. I, I, early on when i made them there was a because it was hard getting hold of um, the right legs. There's a couple that have got the wrong shaped knee pad on it, and it's like I've, I've just destroyed the entire heresy on my own. But it was that's like sometimes you just have to. I think coming from someone who's played heresies before, we had like all the proper armor marks of models. Yeah, you, you do sometimes. I think you should just just tap your yeah. shoulder and go first legion. First legion, yeah. <laughs> that, that needs to be a new thing. Every every dark Angels, every time anybody gives you shit or raises a question, just tap your shoulder first legion yeah so um yeah it's a, it's a good uh, it's a good way of doing things notice the work is almost complete all i need is a bit more mm. where's the gnome confounded past nigatron where is the gnome oil you have one job. Ugh. Fine. To the alchemist workshops. Do they have now the Yes, it is excellent. Well, I might pick up some other things whilst I'm here. Ooh. This looks interesting. Latest releases at bargain prices. This so remember, Passengeratron. Whenever you need all these supplies, visit thealchemistsworkshops.com. Oh, it's a great shop, man. Um, all right. So uh, one of the things we, or well, I suggested when we were sort of putting this together, was to knock up uh, a competitive list. Um, I have a. I have a number of... I didn't hear the competitive thing. Well, well all right, competitive. A Thramus list. Um, I have a Night Lords. I have, I have a main... Well, I say main. I have four armies on the go at the moment. I've got Space Wolves, which I've done as this kind of 12-month project with a, a friend who's doing Thousand Suns. Uh, and I've got Iron Warriors, uh, Ultramarines, and Night Lords. Um, and the Night Lords is kind of next on my list uh, once I've once I finish my Space Wolves. Um, so I thought, well, if you're going to talk about... Dark Angels, I should probably talk about Night Lords. So, um, what is on your two and a half thousand point list? Um, you don't need to necessarily break down like all the, the nitty gritty, but as a, as a general. Well, for starters, I based it on price and not on points. So, my 2,500 point, uh, point army is 1,750 points. But it's, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I approached it more of, right, well, if you, if you, coming into heresy or you're coming into dark angels for the first time uh, and you start an army and you want to get an army for around about 250 these are the things that i think as a dark angel player are really useful to have in the army um um and they're good as well so that's cool that's they're fine. useful in that one so i'm just opening up my list again so i can see it um so uh so I, I built mine around the idea of going, right, let's get the basics in and then try and get a flavour of the Dark Angels in and sort of an army that you can add stuff to, to sort of, you can add things into the army, so transports and various things for the army uh, and things that, that work well. So I've gone straight away um, with the Praetor because you can't ever go wrong with the Praetor, I think, as an HQ choice, um, with Paragon Blade, Plasma Pistol, uh, Melter Bombs, Digital Lasers and Iron Halo. Um, Standard. Uh, I've gone for, 
Sorry? Standard. Yeah, standard. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've gone for um, two 10-man tacticals um, uh, to fulfil the troops' choices. Again, sort of trying to think about it, not using it as a right of war. So it's just this this can become whatever you need it to be. Um, Dark Angels need to take advantage, I think, of their, their Swordmaster rules, so making sure that everyone has got combat blades or chainswords. So Tactical Sergeant with Artificer Armour, Calibonite Warblade, um, which is just a must. If, you, if you're putting a power weapon on someone, give them a Calibonite Warblade. It costs the same points and it's plus one strength. Uh, melter Bombs, because you always want, I always want every unit to be able to deal with armor if, if they have the option to. So, yeah, a, a humble tactical squad can still be a threat to something if there's a Melter Bomb in there. Um, one thing I didn't put on there, but I would recommend, would, is the, if you've got points spare, is the Combi Grenade Launcher with Stasis Grenades. Um, because oh, that, that sounds make, tidy. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, an upgrade for sergeants um, to take, and you just literally, if someone's, if you're charging someone or you're charging them, or they're charging you, so you can do it with Overwatch, fire your stasis grenade launcher. If it hits, they drop down to initiative one, which makes a big difference in combat. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I chainsaw upgrades on all. Uh, Would that work on a Primark? On, yep. Works on everything. Yeah. This is what this well. This is something we didn't look at in the rules. Is that Lionel Johnson always goes first against all of the prime marks because he comes equipped with stasis grenades. So if he's in a fight, he's always going before them because they drop down to initiative one. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and then um, uh, giving both of them, uh, giving both squads, I, I take the chainsaw upgrades on the on the squads, and then I mean, if if uh, if I wasn't sticking within the budget, I'd I'd, I'd give them both rhinos. Uh, or maybe take a right war that allowed them to be in land raiders. Um, then I went for, a, in the elite slot, I went for five Terminators. Um, the cool thing about, obviously, in Heresy, we've got our different armor patterns. Um, I went for Cataphracty, just because I think it's 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 really iconic as, as Heresy-era Terminator plates. So it looks really cool. It's really nice to paint. Yeah. Um, I went for the Calibonite Warblade on the Sergeant with the Grenade Harness, um, uh, I gave a plasma blaster for that little dark angel flavor. Um, I actually don't ever run plasma blasters or any. Uh, any uh, if I'm going to run weapon upgrades on Terminator squads, I, I usually just give everyone combi weapons. But um, for this one, I, I went for plasma blaster. You get one in the box anyway, and it, it carries that little dark angel flavor of having that AP2 plasma goodness. Um, two power fists, two chain fists. So I, I always run two power fists, two chain fists, and terminators because they're nearly always going to be striking us anyway. But again, having that anti armor ability, if you get charged by a dreadnought or you've got a vehicle nearby, chain fists, are, are, they just wreck stuff. And actually, if, they'll quite happily go through a knight if they needed to in combat. Uh, then I've gone for a contempted dreadnought. Um, again, another thing that I think is quite iconic from Heresy is the contempted dreadnought over the traditional box dreadnought. Um, with the carries pattern assault cannon because it's it's a sort of a jack of all trades. It's useful against infantry. It's useful against light light armor. Um, and then this is the this is a choice that isn't really competitive. But I think if you're going to put a unit into sort of flavor in the Dark Angels, the Dreadwing Interrupters are cool. They're the cheapest of the of the three units to buy from Forge One as well. Um, they plus they've got really they've got really nice parts parts to them. Um, so I went for, um, they've all got plasma incinerators. There's no upgrades because you can't really upgrade anyone in, in the Dreadwing interrupters. So, um, uh, I have, um, uh, given, sorry, I have upgraded one to have a plasma incinerator, which is the heavy one, uh, just cause again, it's a cool looking model and actually if they're good at sort of defending your own board, 
So if someone's outflanking or coming in, they've got very short range but very deadly weapons. And then if you expand the army out, if you put them in a in a termite, they, they're like an alpha strike unit, so they can pop up and, and pretty much kill any infantry unit they need to. Um, then for fast attack, I've gone for three outriders. And I've gone for those based on the idea of buying the plastic Dark Angel um, 40k Ravenwing Black Knights. I've used those for my outriders as well. They've already they already come with the plasma gun upgrade in the box, and you get loads of really cool bits that you can use through the rest of the army. So that's where you get all your caliber light war blades from, um, and there's some really cool helmet uh, designs in there as well. And they're majority in Mark Six plates, so you can you can they are legitimately heresy because Mark Six is heresy era armor. Yeah. Um, Thank so you, Corax. Sorry. Thank you, Corax. Yeah. Um, so three outriders, the plasma guns. I'd normally run a bigger unit than that, but again, keep them within the budget. It's a good start for unit, and it gives you some flexibility. Uh, and then this is something that I've gone. This is this is more flavoured around what I've been doing recently, um, which is adding infantry and adding units into it. So I've gone for two units of heavy support marines, so two five man units. Uh, I've gone five with last cannons. Uh, I don't own a five man last cannon squad, but actually writing this list has made me want one. Uh, I've been up against them a lot and I find them really scary in game because they're a threat to everything. Um, uh, and the fact is heavy support marines can all take augury scanners. So I've given each sergeant augury scanners which allows them to intercept. So if you've got deep striking units or outflanking units that are appearing near them, they can react, react fire and basically eliminate the threat before it, it does damage. So I've gone for five of the last cannons and I've done five with Volkite culverins. Uh, again, they mow through infantry like you wouldn't believe. Um, uh, my uh, good friend Hugh, who plays Alpha Legion, they used to be the bane of my existence. These um, his Volkite culverins. I think that's obviously with a lot of Alpha Legion trickery to give them extra rules that make them better. But they've always, every time I've ever seen anyone use them, they've always been really effective. Um, and again, the high enough strength that they can worry light vehicles. There's enough shots that they'll take down things like rhinos and stuff like that. But also, they're, they're pretty much death knell to any form of infantry. It doesn't matter what your armor save is because you're going to be taking a lot of wounds. And again, giving them an augury scanner. So you've got some range support with flexibility. Uh, you've got some fast. You've got a fast moving unit in the outriders, um, and then you've got your core in the tactical squad. So it's, it's pretty vanilla, but I'm trying to give it a bit of a dark angel flavor to it. So it allows you to. Um, there's a lot of ways you can go with that army with like subsequent purchases to like, if you want to steer into a particular right of war or something, these are all sort of things that you would use in pretty much any army anyway, I think. So, um, and I, I tried to stay away from vehicles in this one purely because I, I had it, the idea of sort of like zone mortalis. It's a good zone mortalis starting force. Or, um, if you're playing some of the, uh, I don't know if you, you've ever played any of the centurion rules from, from, yeah, they're brilliant um, now. Great fun. So, um, you've got all the things in there. In Centurion, obviously, you'd run three troops, but the Terminators can move to the troop slot if you take a particular right of war to support it. The other thing as well, of course, with the tactical squads being done up like that, it's not hard to turn those into veteran squads if you wanted to. It increases the points. You take a right of war. Um, it gives you more flexibility in, in what you put in there. So that would be my force. That's how I would start out. If, if someone said, right, that's, that's all you've got. So I, I went shopping on Alchemist Workshop and went shopping on Forge World to see what what I'd spend where I didn't quite make it under 250 quid it's 253 pounds 60 currently that's that's so, all right we can but I'm gonna I'm gonna tap my arm and say first legion so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> excellent 
Um, well, I've, I've, as you've been uh, speaking, I've been very quickly adjusting the list that I have put together to try and get it down to uh, <laughs> just around about £250. So for, for Night Lords, uh, my original 2,500 point list was um, Sevatar with all his toys. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, Flame Master Widrim, however you pronounce his last name, which is like the lunatic apothecary. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, because he's, he's awesome. mental, and that's that's brilliant. Um, and then I'd take the um, Terror Assault Right of War because if you're a Night Lords player, that's the only one you take. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, playing against Night Lords, that's the only Right of War I've ever played against. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you get uh, eight of the new Terminators. Yep. Uh, as a troop choice now, uh, because yep. uh, of Sevatar. Then I'd have two 10-man terror executioner squads with Volkite chargers. Very cool. Uh, 15 night raptors. Yeah. Uh, and then, because you'll be in night lords and you're allowed to be that guy, I've got three leviathans. <laughs> as my one... I'm only allowed one heavy support choice, so I have, a, I have three leviathans. And I think, if, yes, as I yeah. said, if you're going to be night lords... You um, might as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you haven't got a First Last Legion tape. badge to tap, but you just hold up like a flayed right? face or something. You'd be like, yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, that's awesome. But for 250 quid... Um, yeah, it's, yeah it's, that is a hard-hitting force for 250 quid. Oh, no, that, that's not. That, the, I think the, the Leviathans <laughs> are, are that on their own. But, I was going to say, the Leviathans are 250 quid, I think. Yeah, so, uh, Sevatar, uh, he's 38 quid. I'd buy four boxes of the GW Night uh, Raptors, the Chaos Space yeah. Marine Raptors. Yeah, yeah. They and, work really well in Night Lords. I've seen some great conversions. Yeah. Um, and I'd get a pack of the actual Forge World Night Raptors and then basically just mix all the parts mix together. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, two Mark III squads and then the Volkite Charger upgrade sprues. Yeah. And that gives me enough money to get two box dreadnoughts, which is roundabout. Yeah. 250 so again a tidy zm force of just screaming lunatics and ray guns yeah, so going i have everywhere. mine if, if you go through um your lgs or you go through alchemist workshop so i, I got their prices from them because obviously if you don't buy direct from gw you, you can buy all their plastic stuff at a discounted rate yeah so i worked out uh, i bought three mark three squads that's 69 quid uh, a Catafact Terminator squad for 36. Uh, I went for the plastic contemptor just because it is significantly cheaper. I actually personally hate that model. I would I would pay the extra and just get a resin one. It is very um, derpy, isn't it? <laughs> make the head move. But anyway, um, so yeah, I'd gone for a contemptor. It comes with all the weapons that you need for it. But I, if you've got an extra tenner, which I think is is, is an extra ten pounds, uh, I'd get the Forge World contemptor. Um, uh, and a Ravenwing Black Knight squad at £25. And then from Forge when I went for the Dark Angel Praetor, um, uh, the Interrupted squad, the most expensive, and a pack of Volkites and a pack of Last Cannons. Um, I didn't include things in like transfer sheets and stuff like that. Um, uh, cosmetics, that, that, yeah. Yeah, cosmetics are always an extra thing that you can do. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, 253 quid, I think that's a great start for a Heresy Army. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, with my um, Prospero project last year we we said that um like cosmetic upgrades didn't count we, we did yeah, it for, yeah. for 50 quid a month uh, mm. over the year and we said you know shoulder pads are, are not cheap but if we paid for those as well we'd end up with like two units each so <laughs> absolutely yeah. and the thing is as well it's like you're saying when you when you start things i started with the dark angel pads on every model so now every model must have a dark angel pad um i'm, I'm currently working on my way trying to get one of every single console type done um, 
from the Dark Angels at the moment. Um, the next one I'm working on is a Warmonger, and because I've used the Vigilator torso, that doesn't have the space to put molded pads. So he's going to be like the only model in the army that has a transfer instead of having a, a molded pad on. Oh, that's just going to great, isn't it? <laughs> it's one of those things it's just one of those things it's one of those things that you can go right someone might notice but I'll know that's what matters I'll know you could just get up your uh, green stuff sculpting skills just do like a little half <laughs> everything I out. do is kit bash because I, it, it's witchcraft to me green stuff I, I cannot use it I've attempted to sculpt stuff in the past I've just given up so everything is just kit bash together because I can't I can't cope with green stuff yeah <laughs> no, I understand yeah it's one of the things I, I have kind of sort of said. I am going to get the hang of doing some very basic stuff, but I've yeah. also got a 3D resin printer, like quite a really good yeah. one. And I'm like, well, Thingiverse has all the shoulder pads and all yeah. of the things. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, well, hit, well, hit print the and they'll be ready in the morning. Like I was saying to you at the start, I'm a bit of a Luddite when it comes to technology. So 3D printing is completely beyond me. However, I'm doing like a retro force, like a, a um, road trader inspired sort of bolt on to my Dark Angels. Um, so I've managed to get some third party Saturnine Terminators and I've ordered a, a Mark VI squad from Forge All that I'm going to do as, as my um, Seeker squad. So I'm going to paint them in the old style with red stripes down the heads. I've just made a Vigilator out of the um, road trader marine. But then one of my friends went, you do realise that there's a few Rebundus Dreadnought that you can 3D print. I was like, there's a what now? So that's obviously like a model from you, from when I was really young. It was one of the first models I had was that. And it's tiny in real life, but he was just like, oh, I'll just scale it up for you. So my friends um, printed that for me. So hopefully that'll be with me in a couple of days' time and I can get that painted. But that's been scaled up to be contemptor size. So it's like, I don't feel like oh, I'm taking money out of GW's pocket because I own seven contemptor dreadnoughts. I don't feel bad about that. Yeah. that I've got one that's 3D printed. Yeah. And it's I think different when they don't make a model for it. Yeah, they don't make a model for it. It's just for a bit of fun. Um, and do you know what? I've, I've always had this thing. Third party for cosmetics isn't a problem at all. Like It's when you're flat out replacing everything with someone else's stuff. And even then, it's a game system. Like If you're not playing at, at Warhammer World at a Games Workshop event, I don't think it really matters. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'd be inclined to agree. Yeah. Well, I'm conscious of time here, and we've been at this for like an hour and twenty minutes. And I've <laughs> yeah. enjoyed, I've enjoyed the conversation. It's been good. No, I've enjoyed it, Tom. Thanks. Um, so yeah, I shall, I shall bid you uh, farewell and let you uh, retire to um, your Dark Laughing. Angels inner circle <laughs> tomb or whatever it is that you Dark Angels people sleep. Um, yeah. All right, thanks. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, um, thank you very much, uh, Ben. Much appreciated uh, giving you up your time. And um, yeah, I'd be interested to get you back on at some point when you've had a few games with your with your new book, and you can tell us how Definitely. it went. And I think uh, we we need to when when all this is cleared, we need to find a time where we can throw down Nightmares versus Dark Angels anyway. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I I I will make my annual pilgrimage up to from Cornwall to Warhammer World. Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, look, stay safe, and uh, I'll speak yeah, to you another cheers. time. So there we are, folks, the first episode of the Dawn of Rebellion podcast for 2021. We hope you enjoyed it. We've got a raft of things to choose from for next episode, so I'm not 100% sure what it'll involve. 
but I'm sure it'll be good fun talking about it. So in these hectic times, everyone here at the Dawn Rebellion podcast would like to wish you all the best and hope you can stay safe. And we'll speak to you again soon.